0: Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Allah salli ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana wa Hamad al-Rahim. We are in Surah Al-Shura. Surah number 42. From the beginning. I'm Allah, the Most Gracious. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Hamim <laughs> This surah comes after the Surah Fusalatur Hameem Sajda. Continuation of the Surahs that begin with Hameem. And here we have an extra three letters with the hamim, ayn, sin, Qaf. Presumably, they have something to do with the meaning of the surah, but only Allah knows. We don't know what these letters mean. And that is one of the ways to understand the meanings. You know, Anyway, so here in this surah, you have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about wahi and the execution of wahi in society. How wahi comes down and how it then plays a role in shaping human society, and also how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings down. His ayat in terms of the taqween, the cosmos, and in terms of the tashri'ah, the legal system. So you have both systems in this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make references to both systems, and we can see this inshallah throughout. The Surah, كَذَٰلِكَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ اللَّهُ الْعَزِيزِ الْحَكِيمِ Likewise, thus, just as we have revealed previously in the previous Surah, we have also revealed to you and to those before you, who is the one revealing? Aziz al Hakim? As in the previous surah there is Tanzilu Minar Rahman Rahim. And this surah this is Allah who is an Aziz and Hakim. So there are two different names. In this and here Allah is also the one who is revealing directly. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing human beings that he reveals to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, this is a revelation to you. So that people who read the Quran believe in you. Whatever you say is a revelation. That is part of the execution of Wahi in terms of believing in Wahi coming to the Prophet Muhammad and also to those before you, meaning the other prophets and anbiya and the other mursaloon who came before you, Allah reveals to them also, meaning as part of our understanding of the cosmos and of human history, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is not the only one who receives wahi. He is the last one who receives wahi but uh, there were people, prophets before him who receives wahi also as part of the tradition of the Anbiya and the prophets that we also believe in that, that prophets came before Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he came as the last messenger and uh, we believe. That the institution of messengers is one building. The last brick is the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we believe in the institution of wahi, the institution of nabuwa, the institution of the Anbiya and the Prophets as a sign of our aqidah and so on. Who reveals this? Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who reveals And what are the attributes that uh, Allah has as he is revealing? Al-Aziz, the supreme, the overwhelming, the overpowering, the mighty, Al-Aziz, that he reveals because he is supreme. His word is supreme, his might and power is supreme, his being is supreme, and everything that he is and does is also supreme. So with supreme authority, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing to you. So when you are expressing this reality that you receive wahi, uh, you should not be timid, nor should you be intimidated. Neither one. That you should be aggressive about this, you should be forward about this, you should be positive about this, And you should not shy away from saying this because that is a reflection of Allah's being al-Aziz. So when the Aziz, the Mighty, the Supreme, the Overwhelming gives someone a message, then that someone who receives it carries the same attribute and quality. That is why I have said several times before, prophets are not cowards. They're not timid, they're not shy to say what Allah wants them to say because Allah is Al-Aziz, Allah is the Supreme, the Almighty, and that supremacy and that might and power and authority comes into the messenger also. So that is how we see. The message of the Prophet and all the other Prophets to be supreme and mighty, it uh, rules over every other message. Al Aziz, Allah rules over everyone because of His uh, being almighty and uh, supreme. Likewise, the Messenger rules over everyone, and the message that is revealed rules over everyone's minds, hearts, Spiritual being, existence, and then dominance. And as you'll see, in also in terms of effective government. That is the name of the surah. Al-Hakim, the one who is all-wise. This is all done with hikmah. That although Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Aziz, mighty supreme, he knows that there are rules in time and space that the wahi will have to follow if it's going to attain supremacy. So in order to attain supremacy, you need to know how to do this in time and space. It doesn't happen overnight. And the Prophet ﷺ was made aware of this as this is a Makki surah. And in Makkah, uh, they were ordered to be patient and not to be hasty and not to be volatile and not to react to anything that the Quraysh or the kufar of Makkah would levy upon them. So this is the hikmah in terms of execution for those who receive the message. So Allah then endows the messenger with this hikmah, with this understanding of how to execute. So that is how Allah is al-Hakim. Allah is hikmah and Allah's knowledge obviously is more than we can handle, it is eternal, and we have really very little access, if anything, to his eternal knowledge and to his eternal hikmah and the reasons why he does what he does. But since he is the Rabb, the Lord, he will always ask the messengers to follow the rules of the realm they exist in. That is now hikmah, following the rules of engagement, and so on. You cannot uh, outdo and you cannot quicken the process for anything that happens in time and space. If you have a cocoon and you want the cocoon to come out as a caterpillar, you'll have to wait until it does so. And if you want now a butterfly to come from the caterpillar, you'll have to wait until the wings come and form themselves. You cannot expedite the process. If you try to do that, then you will cause trouble and harm and fasad and fitna. And that is how Allah now tells us that in terms of the tashri'ah, the taqween must also be included. So you do not expedite anything in terms of its behavior and growth. Organic obviously means that it follows the rules of nature. So these things that people do, GMOs and all that, disturbing nature and all of that, and that is sacrilegious in terms of al-hakim. So you can't really do that because you are now expediting the growth. Rub, who now brings things to their... Uh, perfection, slowly and gradually. That's the meaning of the word rab. Okay, So now a human being is born, all of a sudden in the first week, you want him or her uh, now to become a champion of the world and the greatest wrestler of the world and the greatest scientist and doctor of the world and so on. You can't do that. Okay? That is called distorting nature. So you have to let the child grow in phases, in stages, the way Allah wants the child to grow, because this is al-Hakim. So likewise, in terms of applying the Sharia, you have to follow the order. What is the order? The order is that the seer of the Prophet tells us that you have to train certain individuals who become carriers of wahi and the knowledge of wahi and the nur of wahi, and they were few the Muhajirun, and since they were able to carry that nur, and they came into Medina, now they were able to carry the Sharia with them, because the Sharia requires tremendous patience and execution, and so on. So that is now the way the Seerah is understood. Through these two names, Al-Aziz and Al-Hakim, Wahi comes to you, Allah sends you Wahi, Allah sends you Wahid through these two names. Al-Aziz, the supreme meaning, the ultimate goal is to show the supremacy of your message and the might and power of your message. But at the same time, you're going to, you are going to follow the rules of space and time and understand human emotion, human sentiments, human resentment, human opposition, uh, refusal to believe and even persecution. Uh, so once you understand that, then you'll be able to execute. Eventually, by the time you leave the world, everything will be said and done. You cannot expedite that. If you try to expedite it, it will cause problems. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Makki surahs always talks about sabr, sabr, patience, resistance, restraint, uh, all of that, stamina. And uh, So this is now the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving a prelude to the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi in this surah that, that a time will come when you will execute Allah's wahi but it won't be before the time when that time comes Allah will then reveal today I have perfected for you your deen and so on so these two names Al-Aziz, Al-Hakim they are with Allah Allah is the one who reveals to you as he revealed to those before you. The communities who came before you, they are microchasms of your community, meaning the Ummah of Muhammad will fortunately and unfortunately copy and mimic all the previous nations of all the other prophets, in some way, shape or form. They're all microchasms. And the Prophet's ummah is a reflection of all of them. That is how Allah also brings out this idea of al-Hakim. That every community that Allah discusses in the Qur'an has a purpose for you and for your ummah. And it is for you and the ummah to understand how to relate to those communities. How to relate to their kufr. How to relate to their shirk. How to relate to their dhulm. And injustice, how to relate to their fisk and sinning, and how to relate to their cures, and how to relate to the messenger's success. And all. So this is now how we see Allah is Aziz and Al-Hakim. So this is now, as we see, the hamima in Qaf is the fountain from which these ayat spring. They spring from that fountain of hamima in Qaf. And you get all of these wonderful, wonderful, miraculous ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming into the heart and the mind of the Prophet sallallahu And he is absorbing these, he is memorizing them, he is repeating them, he, was reci- he is reciting them in salat and for the Sahaba. And now the Sahaba reciting them, they're understanding them, and they're seeing the implementation uh, of these ayat in their lives through the Khilaf to Rashida. <laughs> to him alone belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth. Ownership belongs to Allah. This is a theological construct. This is a matter of Aqidah. In our Aqidah, if somebody was to ask us, who owns, is owns. How do we own? We don't own anything. Allah creates us, he owns us, and he owns everything he creates. Allah says, my money, this is my money, my house, my car, my this, my that, my this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reforms the akheedah of the ummah, that is to be the leaders of the world, and say that you don't own anything. You don't own anything. Who owns? Allah owns. What about your deen? Allah owns your deen too. al-khālis, wa الدِّينُ الْخَالِسُ din Allah owns your deen, Allah owns you. So don't get high and mighty, meaning as part of Allah's being Al-Aziz, you are not Aziz. As far as Allah's being supreme and almighty, you're the opposite. <coughs> You have nothing, you are an abd, you are a servant, you are a slave, you own nothing. So you can't now claim anything that you own anything. Yeah. So that's the theology, the aqeedah behind it. In terms of sharia, now the sharia will give you rights and prerogatives to say I own, I earn, I keep, I possess, etc. But that is only through the hukum of Allah, through Allah's being al-hakim. Allah's being Al-Hakim, Allah gives you the hukum to say, I own. So you say you own only because Allah gives you the hukum to say you own. I mean, it's yours. Otherwise, the theology is very clear. To him alone belongs everything in the heavens and never mind you, everything in the heavens and everything... On earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, the milky Way, everything there. The cosmos, everything on earth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa (laughs) ta'ala. And the earth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when you have this aqeedah, then it's easy for you to now work for the akhirah. I don't own this anyway. So you never see your role as being a permanent owner and possessor of anything in this world. And when you don't have that uh, emotional attachment, that sentimental attachment, then it's easier for you to work objectively and it's also easier for you to let go. But if you believe you own, then that's the problem. I own this and I own that. So that when you say you possess something, then you become possessive yourself. And then you become possessed by the thing you think you possess. Right? If I own this car, this house, and this money. Then that car, that house, that money possesses you. So then you have to flip the paradigms. I don't own anything. Allah owns. The only reason I'm saying I own this is because Allah's hukam. Allah gives me permission. And says to me that since it's yours and you've earned it, you, you've inherited it or whatever, then you can say it's yours only as a trustee, uh, not as a possessor. So that the aqidah there has to be clear in the minds for those who are going to implement the sharia through shura. Because the surah is about shura. The surah is about executing Allah's command on earth. How are you going to do that if you think you own everything? And if you don't believe Allah owns you, then you will not be able to execute, and so on. So there's the power-hungry people uh, who fail to execute Allah's laws because they are totally possessed by whatever it is that they think they own and they control. So no one owns, no one controls, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then he brings that, he is the one who is very, very high, lofty, high, 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 above everything. He is so much above everything that if he wishes, he can create, and if he wishes, he can uncreate. If he wishes, he can construct, and if he wishes, he can destruct, and it won't bother him. The Quran says. It won't bother him to uncreate or decreate or uh, destruct whatever it is so that is he's so high and above ta'ala high and above from the word okay which means height and being lofty and all of that so allah is very 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 high high above the minds and hearts of people Uh, he is not perceivable he is beyond perception he is beyond conception and beyond reach al the tremendous, he is huge, he is so, so huge that we don't, uh, we are not able to understand or perceive how huge he is, not in terms of matter, not in terms of being a body or anything else, or being a substance, in terms of his might and power and knowledge and his being, his essence, that everything in front of him is nothing but a speck, and even less than that. hmm? Even a speck is too big to say that the speck exists. So here we see that now Allah is training the mind of the Prophet that we have given you a task to give to all of mankind, and you think this is a daunting task, which in terms of time and space it is, in terms of Allah's being, his essence, his names and attributes, is not. It's not a huge task. It's very simple for Allah to help you do this. That's Al-Aliyya, azim when you get these names and attributes that make a personality, then these names are shaping the personality of the Prophet ﷺ. And they're also shaping the personality of the Sahaba and the Ta'been. And that is why they were able to do miraculous things when they went out because they knew Allah is Ali, Allah is Azim. He He's able to do anything at will if he wants to. What we have to do is we have to access his might and power. We have to access his supremacy. And the way you access that is through ibadah and uh, through worship and through being his servant and not uh, claiming ownership of anything once you claim ownership, then Allah will not help you because you're in the middle. Allah doesn't tolerate shirk in anything. So if you're in the middle, then you're the, you're the one that's causing the association and the shirk. So you have to remove yourself by these names, al-Ali, al-Azim, that Allah is beyond me and everything else. So this is to facilitate the task of the Prophet wasallam. And the task of the Sahaba in the implementation, execution of the ahkam and the laws and rules in this surah. uh, So that this is what we call the preamble. This is Muqaddima. This is a preamble uh, to the charter and to the manifesto. Uh, So this is your theology. And once you have this level of trust in Allah, belief in Allah, love for Allah, admiration and respect for Allah, then there is no reason why Allah will not respect you and trust you and entrust you and so on. Anyway, this is uh, the tamheed and muqaddima, a preamble to what needs to be done, what needs to be said. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins to elaborate the true nature of uh, uh, zulm and sin, injustice and sin in the world. And he brings about uh, the effect of this uh, sin and uh, thulm, injustice <inaudible> uh, that the heavens are about to burst from above them uh, one above the other. I mean, the seven heavens will start to now tear and shear from above. One will tear and shear the one underneath it, and it will—the whole system will collapse. Is about to do that, <coughs> referring to shirk and kufr. Hmm? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions in Surah Maryam. And yeah, the clouds of the in will be fattal, and um, the lofty mountains the and they say Allah has a partner and a son, God forbid, then it is almost that the heavens will split asunder and the earth will now just uh, be be opened up and, uh, and the mountains will fly away as dust. Meaning the effect of their saying Allah has a son it's totally against the rules of the cosmos. Yeah. That can bring down everything that exists in the heavens and the earth. Okay, So you have Allah who owns the heavens and the earth, and the people who commit kufr and shirk, they are destroying the heavens and the earth through their statement, through their belief, through their aqidah. So now the aqidah becomes an act of destruction, the fact that they believe this is in itself uh, an injustice, a zulm, not their behavior. That, that's secondary. What's primary? The primary problem with kufr and shirk is that it is destructive. How destructive is it? This way that the heavens are about to burst from above one another. Ah, They're about to burst, meaning that if someone doesn't tell them to stop, then you will have chaos on earth because the heavens are not aligned. The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets and everything else, they need to be aligned properly even in terms of the laws of physics and astronomy, in order for things to be okay on the earth. If they're not aligned properly, then you're going to have problems. If they're not aligned spiritually, and they're totally out of whack and out of sync, then you can imagine the problems that you have on earth, and so on, so this now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealing to the Prophet Wasallam, your mission is to eradicate shirk first and foremost. That where you live in your region, in your local area, Mecca and then Medina and then the Hijaz and uh, all of the Arabian Peninsula, that you must remove shirk from that land. That is your task. Once that shirk has gone, then your mission is complete. Today I have perfected for your religion. That is the purpose of the wahi that is coming to you. Why is Allah revealing wahi to you? So that through wahi you can tell people shirk and kufr is destructive. Uh, It is now going to cause chaos on earth as it causes chaos in the heavens. So that is the nature of kufr and shirk that uh, if Muslims just understood what Allah is saying in these ayat, then they will seek refuge from kufr and shirk much more than anything else. You know. so, yeah. But this is how the natural cause of destruction is people committing shirk. So, you, say you commit a crime, and the greatest crime is to commit shirk. In the shirk, the wulmun al shirk, is a tremendous injustice, the Qur'an says. Okay? Now, everything else is all secondary territory. It probably doesn't even come into the picture where you know you can have people who are atheists and people who are mushrik and people are kafir and are doing great stuff in the world. But that is overridden by their aqidah. That has no value in front of this okay? because that is... Uh, you know, there's just, just a sprinkling salt on pepper onto a disease. Mm. Yeah, that's what you're doing. So this is how the Prophet's mind is being prepared and uh, consoled, that what you're doing in Mecca, removing shirk from the community, is huge for the preservation of the universe. Yeah. So don't underestimate what you're doing. You're removing one person from shirk, so Allah, As so Allah, the Prophet said to Ali for you to guide one person is better than you than so many good things in the world. One person. One person. So this is how Allah is addressing the Prophet that yes, Allah is almighty and powerful. Anyone who believes that he is not almighty and all-powerful, is now standing against him. That is treacherous, and that is obviously treason, and we should deal with that from that point of view. And that is how the Prophet them slowly but surely managed to erase, eradicate shirk from the Jazirat al-Arab, totally and completely, which is why that in itself is a great miracle, is a ma'jizah of the Prophet that he himself engaged at this level of tolerance, patience, persistence, perseverance, determination, himma, all of that. And then eventually Allah allowed him to execute his will, uh, which is that there should be no shirk here, especially in the region that I live and I exist, and so on. rabbihim <laughs> <laughs> now you'll be asking, okay, that, that is, if this is the effect of one person committing shirk, that the heavens and earth are about to collapse and cage in within themselves, then how come they don't? How come they don't? And then you see that Allah is also al Ghafur <laughs> Rahim. Allah has other names and attributes that uh, balance out. He is being almighty and supreme and uh, very, very high and lofty and tremendous and all-powerful, etc. So they work in sync with each other. And then how does that translate in the cosmos? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has angels. The angels, they make tasbih of the praise of their Lord. That tasbih of the great angels in the heavens, especially those who carry the throne of Allah, and the throne of Allah is above the seven heavens, is above uh, the kursi, and then you have the arsh. So those angels who carry the throne of Allah, they're huge, almighty and powerful. Once they make dua, then the effect of that shirk is now delayed the effect of that kufar is delayed because they're making tasbih of Allah's hamd and praise. And they're saying, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah, allahu akbar. Because of their tasbih, the cosmos stays in balance and sink because that's the way Allah wants to preserve what he has created. So the kufar want to destroy what Allah creates in the cosmos and the angels are there to counterbalance their effect and then after that, as a fadl from Allah, They seek forgiveness for those believers on earth. Yeah, so this ayah, this part of the ayah must be contextualized by other parts of the ayah, yeah, which we did in Surah Al-Mu'min. That they seek forgiveness for those who believe. So the, these angels... They will make tasbih of Allah, subhanallah, bihamdihi, subhanallah, etc. And they will also seek forgiveness for the believers. So, the believer, as long as he's believing in Allah, his might and power, his authority, is now another reason why the angels seek forgiveness for him and for them. And that forgiveness now maintains the universe. That is immense power. So now you see the power of Iman. So I say, why do we need to keep Muslims Muslims? Because of this. Losing a Muslim is much, not losing a Muslim, is much more important than gaining a non-Muslim. Because losing a Muslim, that's apostasy. Uh, then, Allah, Allah, Allah. And Allah's curse is upon those people who leave Islam. So what our job should be is to preserve the Islam of Muslims. Hence, you need institutions that preserve the knowledge of Islam, the knowledge of Sunni Islam, so that it becomes an act of preservation uh, for Muslims in non-Muslim countries and also in Muslim countries, uh, inshallah. But anyway, so that the, the power of Iman is that a, a person's Iman attracts The spiritual attention of the angels who carry the throne of Allah and they seek forgiveness for this person. Allah forgive him, Allah forgive him for his sins, Allah forgive him. him. So, sins you can now seek forgiveness for uh, as you make tawbah or you don't make tawbah and Allah forgives through his fatah. But shirk is something that needs to be eradicated, uprooted totally, and kufr. At the same time. So now they're, they're, this is why we call it the heavenly drama. Mm-hmm. The heavenly tension. the tension in the heavens. Uh, underneath the arsh, underneath the kursi. That you have forces that want to destroy. And they have now counter forces that try to reestablish the law and order of the heavens and the cosmos. And that's why we are still here today. Otherwise, by all accounts... We should not exist. The earth should not exist. The heavens and the earth they should not exist. Nothing should exist because of the total amount of sin, kufar and shirk that is prevalent on earth today. And that is how Allah is now al Ghafur Rahim. Allah inna Allah huwa al Ghafur Rahim. Beware. Pay attention, Allah. Pay attention. In Allah, indeed Allah, He is Al Ghafoor, Al Rahim, the oft forgiving, and the one who shows His Rahmah in selective ways, and so on. Right, so Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's Fadl and His Maghfirah is with the Muslim, and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala's Hilm and His Tolerance is with the non Muslim, and the way that He creates this Hilm is by the angels making Tasbih in the heavens, so that the heavens don't collapse and the earth sustains itself in within the system that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now creating yeah. Which is further clarified by the next ayah. As far as your mission, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam you must understand and appreciate That those people who take besides him any patron, any protector, any helper, any uh, assistant and guardian, then Allah is now a guardian over them. Meaning Allah is saving them from punishment in this world. And وَمَا أَنْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِوَكِيلٍ You are not a guardian over them. You are not a wakil or you're not entrusted over them to uh, protect them for the As in the other surah, that you are not a warden over them. Allah is a warden over them. Allah is protecting them from being totally destroyed. You, O Muhammad, you don't have the ability to protect them from their shirk, from their kufr, or from the effects of their shirk and kufr, from the effects of their sins and their crimes. You don't have the power to do that, Allah has the power to do that, hence Allah is now protecting over them, Hafilun alayhim, <laughs> as a sign of his immense, immense rahmah, that Allah is saving people and not destroying them in this world and giving them time and respite and the opportunity to repent, to reflect and come back to terms with Allah's authority, etc. You can't do that, so you are not going to go around. Punishing people simply because they don't believe in Allah. Except when the order is there. Except when the hukum is there, then you are allowed to do that. When the hukum is not there, then you're not allowed to do it. So that's now ascertained as now through the sunnah of the Prophet the sunnah of the Sahaba, the Khulfa, Rashidun, and whatever the Ulama and have understood how to do this, how to protect yourselves and others from the wrath of Allah and from the scorn of Allah. So, this, these ayat, are, first of all, that we go back to the beginning. This is how Allah reveals to you, O Muhammad the point from which these ayat are revealed is Allah al-Aziz al-Hakim, Allah is supreme almighty and he is full of hikmah and uh, whatever reason he tells you to do a hukum, a law and order, uh, then it is for that purpose that he has uh, intended. We don't know, we may know a little bit, we don't know everything and then you must ascertain that as you're trying to execute this wahi on earth upon people, then you must believe you own nothing. You don't own them, you don't own your deen, you don't own anything. Allah is the one who has total ownership, and therefore he's the one who's going to give you the ability to execute, except that you must understand that what you are doing is (coughs) you are saving and protecting mankind from mankind. You are saving mankind from destroying the earth. Everybody in the world today, they want to go green, and they're worried about climate change. And protecting the earth and pollution and so on. So, Islam has already spoken about the spiritual pollution of the kafir and the mushrik and the spiritual pollution of the person who commits sin. So, that no one is more environment friendly than Islam, but it's at a macro level. Not just a micro, micro... These are little, small little kind of whimsical ideas of climate change, this and that. That doesn't hold up here. This is huge. You're talking about the whole universe collapsing within itself. How? What are you going to do with that? How are you going to now confront that? You can't until you change yourself and you rely on Allah's authority and Allah's planning, Allah's might and power. Until you do that, nothing will happen. So... The good thing is that the good deeds of Muslims, they counter the kufr and shirk of the non-Muslim. As long as Muslims continue to be Muslims and they continue to do good deeds, that will be a counterforce because the angels will bring you out through their istighfar and bring you into the fold of Allah. And that is how we see our theology and also our eschatology. La تقوم saatu. حَتَّى Qiyamah will not come until there is no one to say Allah, Allah on earth. So saving that last person who says Allah, Allah is now saving the universe from total destruction. That is the power and might of Iman and a believer. Where do you get this might and power? Allah, al al azim you believe in the Ali and Azim, the one who is supreme and lofty and high and the tremendous, then you have this power if you don't believe in. Yeah. So, for Muslims, it's quite pathetic that they believe in material power and success and glory, and they're walking away from the source of Noor and guidance, and they're walking into total darkness, and they want to now figure out how uh, to become leaders of the world again. That is not happening. Until they turn their attention to the source of nur and guidance, that is the Qur'an and Sunnah, Allah and the Rasul and the Sahaba, until they do that, they'll, always, they'll continue to be slaves of themselves and slaves of the world. Then they cannot quote Surah to shura and then form an assembly and say, this is not based on the Quran. No, it's not. <laughs> it's based on your nafs because you still own. You're still owners of what you think you own. Allah says, You don't own anything, Allah owns everything. So until you give it up, uh, nothing's going to happen for the ummah until there is some kind of spiritual awakening or reawakening and understanding that we have to resort to Allah. His nur, his power, his authority, his forgiveness, his hikmah. Until we do that, we will not succeed in terms of our uh, dependence on Allah. And so on. so uh, Obviously, uh, those are issues uh, for a later time to discuss. But the surah is, uh, as with every surah, magnificent in its ability to express and open up the ayat of Allah Wa ta'ala. This is how you see the, and read these uh, ayat. That if you're going to have an effective execution of Allah's laws, uh, then you must follow this nizam, this system that Allah is now uh, explaining. What is that system? That kufr and shirk destroys the universe; iman protects and preserves the universe. That's the foundation of laqeedah. If you have this in mind, then you'll be successful as a Muslim. If you don't, then you'll be Walking around, strolling in darkness, shooting in the dark and nothing will stick when you shoot in the dark, as you know. Nasul al wa tawfiq. Allah give us all hidayah and tawfiq to do what pleases him the most. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eradicate kufr and shirk from the world. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. wa sallallahu wa ta'ala wa wa ali wa wa ya